Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, Public Health for the Public High. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Interim Director of the Rhode Island Department of Health. And I'm Dr. Philip Chan. Welcome, everyone. Dr. Chan, an exciting episode today. We're talking to Aaron Abramson, not just anyone. We're talking to a nurse. So a public health hero, a patient care hero. Uh, it's our first episode, quite frankly, long overdue, talking to a nurse. And we're thrilled to have you here, Aaron Abramson. So Aaron, welcome to Public Health Out Loud. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Sure. Well, I am a nurse in a couple different capacities. I've been a nurse for over 20 years. Currently, I'm a nurse and team lead for the Department of Health on what's called the COVID Prevention Field Team. So we go out into the community and support uh, facilities that could be long-term care facilities. It could be employers, um, many different settings that are potentially having an outbreak or help them with their prevention and mitigation plans. I also work per diem as a nurse at Rhode Island Hospital in the emergency department. That's um, part-time. And I serve as a nurse in the Rhode Island Air National Guard. Thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us. And to our listeners out there, Aaron has been involved in the COVID response uh, almost since the beginning. So thank you, Aaron, for all your, your hard work. Let's break it down to the very basics here. I think when people think about, you know, people in healthcare, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's uh, nursing assistants, perhaps, and now there's nurse practitioners, physician assistants, but at the very basic level, what does a nurse do? How, how do you think about a nurse's role in healthcare delivery in general? Well, I love that question, and it's one of my favorite questions to answer <laughs> because it's been said, and this is how I mostly like to identify my role, that you know, doctors may treat illness or disease, but nurses treat the human response to illness or disease. So that may be pain, that could be fear, that could be a knowledge deficit. So we support in, you know, all the areas around that illness. And so it may not be directly curative, but it's really essential to health and the, you know, process of wellness. And in COVID, especially through this pandemic, when there's been, you know, for a lot of it, no cure or no treatment, it's, there's been a lot that nurses have brought to the table. Yeah. I love the way you said that about the human response. Um, and I think that's so important because, you know, what, you know, I think everyone has a very high opinion of nurses. I mean, it just, I, I've never met a nurse I haven't liked in my entire career. It's 31 years of working with great nurses and I'm looking forward to many more years that, but you're in the Rhode Island National Guard as well, which, you know, so that's wonderful that you have many different roles. And like I was in the Navy as a doctor and worked with law Navy nurses, other nurses from other services too. And it was really interesting to me, the different roles they had. And one of the things, you know, one of the things that was big in Navy nursing was leadership. Like one of the things I really saw was, it was expected that a Navy nurse was excellent with her clinical skills or his clinical skills, but also a leader and a role model. But can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be a nurse in the Rhode Island National Guard? Sure. I, I think that's pretty wide ranging. And some of that 
is really just your basic day-to-day occupational health of keeping the military force healthy. So making sure that the force is vaccinated. So if they were going to deploy, they have the vaccine that to go overseas, making sure their, you know, dental records are in order or, you know, the, any medical treatments that need to be done are done. Um, so that's, you know, the basi- basics of occupational health, but it's also about being ready to be called in a moment of need. And that may be to, you know, in 2019, I was deployed to Afghanistan as an emergency trauma nurse. Um, in, in, you know, 2020, the pandemic happened. So like for natural natural disasters or any kind of state emergencies, we can be activated. So that was for the pandemic that ended up being, it was initially a two month um, response that ended up being 15 months. So it just, it really is pretty wide ranging, but I think they, the idea of nursing in the military is, is a little bit expanded, as you said, with leadership and taking your skill set and your training and learning how to adapt that, transfer your knowledge, be scalable, apply that in different settings um, to, you know, bring that to the other setting that, you know, other nurses may not have that, that same background of training and experience. And I want to really highlight uh, what you're talking about here. I mean, I have found uh, in my own practice as a doctor that a good nurse is uh, makes it, makes the team, makes makes healthcare, makes everything. And if uh, if the team doesn't have a good nurse, then everything really falls apart. And it goes back to this question. And it's funny when patients ask me this: If do you want a doctor or a nurse to draw your blood? Right. So what's the right answer there? I mean, I would want a nurse. You know, 100 days you know, a hundred out of a hundred times, uh, you never want the doctor to draw your blood because it's something that they haven't done uh, for a while. But uh, I wanted to take a, a quick tangent we want to certainly get about, uh, talk about COVID and the pandemic in a second, but you kind of glossed over this, but you mentioned being a trauma nurse in Afghanistan. I just want to just, I know this is a little bit off topic, but I mean, what was that like? That was a war zone. Yeah, we need an answer on that one. That's <laughs> like... That's more interesting than I think anything I've done in life. I mean, and by the way, like, wow, you know, I mean, that's, that's impressive frontline service, right? I mean, you're getting dirty over there, but tell me what happened. Was an experience I'll never forget. And it was, you know, by the time I was there in 2019, that the hospital I was in at Bagram is really a a well-oiled machine. Trauma is run so smoothly and flawlessly there that I I think they have a 99% survival rate. Like if you can get through those doors alive, they can get you into the OR and and get you out of there. So it's, it's amazing what they can do. Um, So it's being a cog in a, in a very well-oiled machine and um, being part of that, that teamwork. So we certainly were exposed to a lot of wartime trauma there, but it's amazing the advances in, in research and technology that, you know, there's a protocol for any crazy sort of military combat injury. So if you you practice those and you rehearse those and you do that as a team, so when it's, you know, time to respond, you're ready. I think you illustrate too why nursing is so interesting. Like, you know, you get interesting experiences. I mean, this is one of the things that I've just seen through my career is like, I remember when I worked in the Indian health service, I was, you know, 
doing a medevac flight from, you know, nowhere, Arizona to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and talking to the flight nurse who, you know, two months previous was working in a needle intensive care unit, but now doing flight nursing. It's just like, you know, you can change, you can do things. You have a lot of variety. If you're getting bored, it's kind of your own fault, I think, in some ways. Like, there's opportunities for nurses. They just grow. And it's not just clinical opportunities. It's leadership opportunities, too. It's, it's a wonderful profession in, in so many ways. I want to pivot back to the pandemic a little bit. So tell me a little bit about your role in the pandemic as a nurse. Like, I think there's a lot you've done in in our in our state in particular. Like, I'm thinking not just nursing homes, but just in our some of our more, you know, homeless shelters and Department of Corrections and with employers, like you were really involved with that response. Can you talk a little bit about what you've done in the pandemic? Sure. You know, initially when I was first activated, it, I was on this healthcare surge planning team, which which helped design and and build the field hospitals, which was an exercise, like a huge exercise in expanding capacity, hospital capacity, and thinking about the needs of large if we needed to treat a large number of people all at once. So that was a kind of a um, a unique opportunity to contribute a nursing perspective uh, in that realm. And then after, you know, in that first wave, we didn't end up needing that space, but we had these military members active. We recognized that there was some uh, opportunity to support in long-term care as they were um, uh, basically being really challenged with the high numbers of um, cases and the fatalities and need for infection control expertise. And you know, really challenges with coordination of PPE testing, uh, staffing, that sort of thing. Um, and then as that, as we kind of developed in that area, we expanded the model to support in other settings. And really, like, as I talked about earlier, transferring that knowledge and uh, adapting that knowledge to support other areas. So shelters, uh, corrections, um, most recently maritime vessels that have come into port and have had some positive cases and how to, how to engage and keep the folks on the, on the ship safe, keep the folks in the port safe, but how to um, keep the supply chain moving. So it, it's been a lot of neat and challenging situations to work through. And I think people sometimes lose perspective uh, about the pandemic. And sometimes I have to remind myself is that we actually set up two field hospitals. We were anticipating that we actually needed new hospitals in our state to care for people. I mean, that if anything demonstrates the severity of the pandemic, it's, it's that fact alone to me. Uh, we didn't use them at that moment in time. We did use them, uh, albeit a little bit in the future. But the other, you know, the other big role that you've had is you've done a lot of work in, in nursing homes and you kind of just touched on this, but uh, a couple of questions for you here, you know, nursing homes in my mind have been one of those settings that have really uh, borne the, you know, the, a lot of the uh, destruction of the pandemic. I mean, the fatalities have been through the roof. I remember early on, it was, you know, I remember giving guidance to some of the medical directors trying to figure out how to save these folks because they were dying left and right, just these ridiculous mor mortality rates. But what was, uh, what was it like in your role as a nurse uh, working within some of these congregate care settings, these nursing homes? What did, what did you see experience as sort of the biggest challenges and, and also successes in that setting? You know, it was a a wild time because I think I, I just told you about what it was like in Afghanistan. And you think that's a combat zone. That's really scary. But I think I told you how we were well-resourced. We had a lot of um, 
we had the materials we needed. We had a lot of education. We had a lot of experience. And when COVID hit nursing homes, we had none of that. And it was super scary. And it was for every single worker out there. And so they didn't have the resources, the education. There was no, you know, there was not a lot to guide anyone. And, and then impacted, you know, layered on top of that were all these fatalities. And so I, th I think what our team tried to bring to the table was let's go in and try to, in this very chaotic environment, let's try to establish some areas that we know that we can isolate that are exposed and we can try to contain this and um, have some isolation areas, some decontamination zones, and then some clean zones. So where are some places the staff can feel safe? And, you know, the military is, is really good with decontamination. And when we didn't have traditional PPE and we were, you know, improvising with PPE or extending use of PPE, having, you know, teaching staff how these are some strategies to do that, how to try to make this environment safer. Um, in general, some of our guiding principles were to try to increase confidence and competence to increase their internal capacity to respond so that they could, they all wanted to be on the job, but they were so scared. And so to really help them do their work and, and give them the knowledge and skills to, to their job in a, a safer way. And some of that, honestly, was also just being there and listening to them and, and hearing their stories. It was like a lifeline for them because, you know, nobody really, they've experienced so much. And so sometimes we would go out there and we'd have to say, I understand it's been a really tough week here. And I know you've seen a lot. Um, we want to talk about PPE and, you know, isolation zones, but how are you doing here? And we just have a frank conversation about, you know, some of what they had experienced. And then it kind of brought, brought us in a little bit and let us be able to talk about the situation. And then um, they were pretty receptive to what we had to say. You explained well the work you guys did in the COVID prevention field teams. I mean, it started out as a National Guard effort going into nursing homes and, and really, you know, voluntarily going to nursing homes. If you asked, we're there. And, you know, these COVID prevention field teams, I think it's one of the nice things that's come out of the pandemic is something we're doing um, even to this day, which is really a different role for us. It's more of a consultative role, more of an education role. We're really teaching people, you know, and, and it's nice because as a health department, we're often looked at as a regulator, um, but there's a lot to be said for like a part of us that can actually be a consultant, um, which is a really, you know, a nice dimension, a nice product we can offer. But, you know, I, I want to pivot now to, to shelters, you know, shelters for people who are unstably housed. You had a lot to do with our, our response there as well. And what was it like to work um, with the shelters for people who were unstably housed? Because that's a different angle of your nursing career as well with us. And it's just really, I mean, it really underscores like in, in many ways, like as a nurse during the pandemic, you had many different roles and you're not the only nurse who did. Like there's a lot of just nurses for us in particular who just had all these, you know, very variety roles, which I just thinks to the power of nursing as a career. You just, there's so much you can do, but let's talk a little bit about homeless shelters. What was it like? Well, I think one of the, 
interesting things that we recognized right off the bat was that this setting is so different. The risks in that setting, you know, you have a potentially mobile population that's out during the day and, and potentially congregating. So that it increases the, um, the folks that come back to the shelter, increases the risk factors for COVID. Additionally, some shelters might have an open bay setting. So you could have 80 individuals sleeping in one room and it, it the risks there are really significant. And so you look at how they are going to respond to that. And, you know, some shelters have private funding, public funding, and across the board, they often have, they take donations. So I have this funny story over the summer, we visited about 16 shelters to do these prevention and mitigation visits to support them as they looked into the fall and, and, um, prevention, uh, for potential COVID cases. And we reviewed, we, we give them a call ahead of time and we do this assessment, this rapid needs assessment. And we, you know, kind of discuss all the different layers of prevention. And one shelter, you know, we're talking about how's your vaccination rate? How do folks wear masks? We talk about cleaning and disinfection. And one shelter is, you know, so proud that they have got secured this donation from Amazon of this giant pallet of, um, you know, gallons of disinfectant. And so they are, you know, keeping that place spick and span and all disinfected. And so that, that sounds great. And I said, well, I look forward to seeing it. We're going to come walk through and, and look at everything. And we, we, go and visit. And it turns out that it's actually not disinfectant, it's cleaner, which is really common that we find that, um, that folks are, are using not actually disinfectant products. So um, they're going through all that effort. And so we were able to identify some other disinfectant products that they had in their facility and were able to use so that all their work is not for not and when to, to use the disinfectant products. But it's different settings have, um, you know, different supply chains and uh, different challenges. Erin, let me ask you this. We have a shortage of healthcare workers uh, everywhere, but here in Rhode Island especially, and specifically a nursing shortage. Can you just uh, tell listeners, what, what does it require to actually become a nurse? And maybe for people who are considering nursing, what would you say to them? What would you tell them about nursing as a career? Well, you know, there's many pathways to nursing and you can start in a related career, you know, as a CNA and see if that's something you like um, as an EMT. Um, some people take a more traditional route and go to a four-year school and get a bachelor's degree. You can also go through a, a two-year associate's degree or a three-year diploma program. So there's, there's many pathways. Um, but I would say, you know, within nursing, there's something for everyone. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think you need to be willing to be a hard worker, connect to people, um, be good at, you know, math and science. All those things are important. Nursing is just a wonderful profession. And I think, you know, you illustrated well, like you can do certified nursing assistant. Lord knows we need them. Licensed practical nurse. We need them to register nurses, advanced practice, registered nurses. But there really is no limit. Like as a nurse, there's no reason why you can't be in management. Um, of, of any setting, really. I mean, there's a lot of potential nursing. I want to pivot back a little bit to your work in the emergency department as a nurse during the pandemic. And I'm just thinking, like, is there a story that stands out to you 
when you think about your work in the emergency departments during our pandemic of the state, because you've, you've been everywhere, you know, and it's like, it's interesting during this pandemic, there's been, you know, you've had a wonderful, you know, variety of experiences, but let's just talk a little bit about that clinical experience of working in the emergency department. Is it as exciting as it looks on TV or is it a little bit less exciting? What do you think? Well, I think uh, during the pandemic specifically related to COVID has been a, there's been some unique challenges and, and I'll speak, which every healthcare worker can probably identify with. When you care for someone that is COVID positive and you put on that full PPE, it is a, it's like putting on, it's like being a stormtrooper. It's like trying to do your job, but being a stormtrooper at the same time. And so if you're a nurse and, and you like to communicate and express caring behaviors and you are wearing a stormtrooper outfit, that really, it impacts the way in which you do your work. And so, you know, that altered your experience of being a nurse and your ability to give comfort. And so that was, that was challenging. And, you know, I, I had some very um, sad and, and challenging cases where I, I felt, you know, I had to, it was a balance to care for that patient and, and protect myself as well. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Erin. I think that for many of us in healthcare, there's uh, there's uh, many stories that stick out in our mind, and I think the other sort of trend and and theme of of healthcare and public health workers has been ability to stay motivated during the pandemic. I think you know burnout rates are are high uh, among all people in healthcare and public health, and I guess a little bit more of a personal question here. But what keeps you motivated to do the work? How have you, you know, how have you gone through the pandemic? There's, there's many answers to this question. I think on a very personal level, I, I lost my dad to COVID in May of 2020 in the first wave. And I, I feel a deep connection to families. And, um, you know, I feel like I understand COVID from 360 degrees, you know, and the suffering and tragedy involved with it. So it is in some ways very meaningful to me to try to impact and affect change to to prevent that tragedy for others. And so that has been, I guess, my why, the deep meaning. And then um, the way that I find joy or the, the goodness in my work is really the connection I have and deep respect for my coworkers. You know, when we're behind that full PPE, but you know, and it's hard to hear each other because we're behind masks and, but we connect in our eyes and we have eye contact. And I know we're in this together. That has been really meaningful to be inspired by my coworkers. And the same thing when I'm out in the field and seeing how hard others working, I, I choose, I think some days it's a conscious choice to this, to be inspired, but I, I look for those opportunities and, um, there's been a lot of, of opportunities to see the great humanity that people have put on the line and, and, and shared during this response. Yeah. Aaron, I think, you know, that's, that's well said. I mean, you're an inspiration. I mean, I, you know, you, you inspire us at the Rhode Island Department of Health. And I think, you know, you know, you share the story about your dad passing in May of 2020, which is incredibly tragic. And that's, that's before we had a vaccine and before we had treatment, but it's just such a personal loss. And it's, it's, I think, you know, one of the things you illustrate is how much this pandemic has taken from us. Um, it, it's taken so much from us. And, and, 
you know, everybody has suffered during the pandemic, but it just, it, it's really been just sort of um, something we've all had to process. And I think, you know, it speaks to your resilience, you know, and your resilience, in other words, to just keep going, to bounce back. And then when you lose your dad, and yet to still bounce back and get up every day and come to work and, and try to save others, that just really represents the best in nursing. And, and I think it just represents why it's such a noble career and why it's so honoring that we have so many wonderful nurses in the state of Rhode Island in particular and all over the country. I mean, it's been just an amazing example of how, you know, this profession has done so much during the, during the pandemic, but it's, it's alas, we come to the end of our time together. So it's time for Stephanie to cue the music. Uh, we need to go to the final word from Dr. Chan. Dr. Chan, what's the final word for today's episode? Yeah, thank you, Dr. McDonald. And thank you, Aaron, so much for joining us today. And thank you for your work in general during this pandemic. You've been one of those heroes behind the scenes uh, that uh, often doesn't get much, much credit, but definitely drives our pandemic response forward. So thank you uh, to you and your, your fellow nurse colleagues as well. But uh, in closing, I do want to leave folks with a moment of Zen to consider throughout the rest of your week. And here it is from, uh, from Buddha. Thousands of candles can be lit from a single candle and the life of that candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases by being shared. So share some happiness this week. Thank you all and be well. I want to thank Aaron Abramson, our guest today. I want to thank Stephanie Menders, our executive producer. Carol Stone, our technical director. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. Have a good and keep up the great 